Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. Now for this morning, we are going to look at this very important subject or the topic, the battle of the wills. You know, in two weeks' time, we are going to celebrate Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Everything that we know in Christianity, everything that we believe in Christianity is based on what happened on Good Friday and on Resurrection Sunday. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, our preaching is in vain. Your faith and my faith is in vain. But because Jesus rose again from the dead, you and I can come and worship Him as our Lord and Savior. And this morning, we are going to look at the events that preceded Good Friday, and especially the, the time that Jesus spent at the Garden of Gethsemane and how He had to contend with His own will against the will of the Father. And the passage that I've taken from this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 to 45. And if you can stand, I would appreciate as we read the Scriptures, as I read, you can just stand with me as we honor God's Word by the reading of the Scriptures. Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to start from verse 36, and I'm going to read it from the NIV version. Then Jesus went with His disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and He said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here, keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is, possible, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. Thank you, and please be seated. One of the good things about being a human being is that you and I have free will. For example, this morning we all chose to come to church. You could have easily chosen not to come, sit back, you know, enjoy the comfort of the bed and sleep on. But we chose to come here. We will to come here. And of course, there's a huge theological debate as to what free will is. And I hope we don't go into, this, into that this morning, otherwise you'll be staying here the whole day. But in life, there are many situations where you and I are called to decide what we want to do. Our wills conflict on many occasions. And therefore, what we will determines the kind of choices that we make. And many times before we make a choice, in our minds, a mental process goes through 
where we decide with our will what we want to do. And a lot of factors affect them as well. For example, the biases that we have, the reasons, the reasoning behind the, the situation. And sometimes our emotions come into play and some of the uh, history, the background, all comes together before we decide what we want to do for our lives. And many times this happens almost on a daily basis. The only thing is that we don't realize it. From the time we get up in the morning to the time we go to bed, our will comes into play and there are many conflicts many times. When you go to school, our careers, the person that we want to marry, and so many other issues, many things that we want to do often conflicts with sometimes what the society doesn't want, to do, want us to do or even what our parents don't want us to do. And for all of us, these conflicts come from various sources. Number one, it comes from ourselves. Within ourselves, you know, sometimes we want to do certain things, but because of situations around us, we choose to do something else. And then there's a pressure from our families. Many times we want to do a particular course in our studies, and you know, many parents, because they can't fulfill their own dreams in their lives, they force their dreams onto the children. You know, you must become a doctor, you must become a lawyer or engineer, and that sort of a thing. So our wills tend to conflict. And sometimes society also puts a lot of pressure on us. We cannot do what we want to do, and we fall prey to the, the demands of society. And a lot of hosts of other factors come into play. But for Christians, there's another very important dimension that we must take into account. In fact, this dimension overrides every other form of uh, 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 deviation that comes as far as decision-making is concerned, as far as our will is concerned, and that is called the will of God. You see, the day I became a Christian, when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, when I was washed by His blood, when I became a child of God, my life changed. My lordship of my life changed. Jesus became the Lord of my life. And as Galatians 2.20 will tell us, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. What that means, that from the time you and I became Christians, Jesus became the center of my life. We sang this morning. Jesus is the center of my life, my church. In everything, He becomes the fulcrum. I submit to His Lordship. I do what God wants me to do and nothing else. I want to be more like Jesus. Whatever I decide is what God, the Lord Jesus, wants me to do. And Paul will tell us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. What was the mind of Christ? He always wanted to do the will of the Father. Otherwise, calling ourselves as Christians makes no sense at all. Because if you and I call ourselves as Christians, then we want to be subject to the will of God the Father and whatever God wants us to do. I like the way Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, God helping you take your every day, your every ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. 
And this is the message Bible translation. Everything in your life, from the time you wake up, from the time you go to bed, your time to sleep, everything must be what God wants us to do. And sometimes in life, we face situations where our will conflicts with God's will. And it's not just as individuals, but even as a church. You know, as a church, we want to do so many things, right? There's so many activities you want to program, so many things that you do. Even for my church, we want to reach the community, we want to do a lot of things, but is that really what God wants us to do in your life and in my life? And even when it comes to your career, the career that we choose, is that really what God wants us to do? You know, I come from the legal background. I have my, my, my background is in law. And when I was in the, in the Air Force, I used to defend a lot of cases in the military court. You know, whenever there's some soldiers get into trouble, they always look for me because of my background in law. And so I would go there and defend the cases. And one day, the court-martial wrote to me and said, we want to make you as the president of the court-martial. Wow. This is something everybody dreamed of because the moment you go into that position, you're almost equivalent to a district judge in the civil sector. And you'll be sitting together with all the high court judges, you know, when the situation arises. And I thought, my God, God is opening doors for me when I didn't want it. Everything was signed. My posting order was done and everything was done. But just one week before my posting, my posting order was cancelled. And I said, God, how in the world can you do this? This is something that I look forward to, you know. And, this, and I didn't ask for it, but you, you sort of gave this to me. But this order was cancelled. I was angry with God, disappointed. But now looking back, I realized God's plans, God's will was far much more better than if I had chosen my will and gone on this particular career. You know why? I would never been able to do what we have done today in the mission field if I had gone on that particular choice. It was so attractive. It was so good. Something that I wanted for myself, for my life, my career. But God had other plans. And so there are many things that we want to do. You know, it's very clear between sin and, and, and righteousness, it's easy to choose between evil and good. But when the choice comes between good and the best, that is where the problem lies. You see, what we see is good for us. I want to do this. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's good. And you will be successful in it. You will be blessed. But that good is not the best that God has actually ordained for your life and my life. And that's where the conflict really comes. Now, you can be successful in your own ways. You can choose what you want to do and be successful. Look at the people out there in the world. Many of them don't know God, but they are successful. And you too can have money, you can have wealth, and it will seem everything is fine for you. But in retrospect, when you look at it, that is not what God intended for your life. There was something that God intended that only you can do, and eternity will bear the dividends. Not on this world, but eternity will bear the dividends. And so this morning, if you are struggling with your life and your plans, I want to tell you that God's intent for you and me is that His will prevails in our life. And when we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to the will of God, you and I will see God's 
riches and His plans. Because Romans 8, 32 tells us, God did not spare His own Son. How will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? See, God wants to give you and me the best. What you and I think may be good and the best for us, but when God gives to us, it's always the best. Because Isaiah 55, 9 tells us that as heavens are high above the earth, so are God's ways much more higher, His thoughts much more higher than ours. And Jeremiah 29, 11, the famous verse that we always say, God's plans, He has good plans for us, the best plans for you and for me when we choose to humble ourselves before Him. But the point is, it's not always easy to make the decision between choosing your good versus God's best. There's always a struggle. And even here, Jesus Himself had a struggle, so as to speak, between what He wanted versus what God wanted. You know, we read in the book of Matthew just now, Jesus had just finished His upper room discourse, and with His disciples on the way to, to the Garden of Gethsemane, they had just observed the Passover feast and everything was going on fine. At the same time as Jesus was with His disciples at the, at the Garden of Gethsemane, there was another conference going around in the high priest's house, Caiaphas' house, and one of the disciples of Jesus trying to figure out when they can arrest Jesus and put Him to death. And Jesus takes His disciples, Peter and two of His close disciples, the sons of Zebedee, and brings them. And the Bible tells us Jesus was sorrowful. Now, if you read the Scriptures carefully, Jesus began to pray. Going up a little further, He fell on His ground and said, My Father, if this is possible, may this cup be taken from Me, yet not as I will, but as You will. Three times the Lord went and made this prayer. You see, there was a battle that was going on at the Garden of Gethsemane to what Jesus wanted versus what the Father will. See, Jesus looked at the cross. He looked at what was about to be taking place, the cup that the Lord God Father wanted Him to drink. It's going to be something that's going to be physically challenging, spiritually demanding. He groaned, and the Bible tells us He began to be troubled and distressed. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And Luke will tell us, being in anguish, He prayed even earnestly, and He sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground. So you can imagine the intensity of the anguish, the pain that he was going through at this particular moment in time. And as he began to contemplate what is going on, your life and my life was at stake. The destiny of millions of people in this world is at stake. If Jesus had said no and did what he wanted to do, none of us would be here this morning. If Jesus didn't go to the cross, Death would have continued. The devil would have won. But because Jesus chose to obey the voice of the Father, the will of the Father, you and I today stand in His presence, worshiping Him as a Lord and Savior. As a man of flesh and blood, he, he knew the kind of torture that he will go through. And as a son of God, he knew the kind of detachment from the Father that he would experience. I always wondered why Jesus had to make this prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. Didn't he know what he was getting into when he came into this world? Of course he knew. Didn't he know what he was signing up for? Of course Jesus knew everything. 
Right from the beginning, Jesus knew exactly what he is going to go through in his life. You remember when Jesus was 12 years old? He was missing for three days. Then his parents found him in the temple. And what was his answer to his parents? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house doing my father's business? In other words, he was telling his parents, don't you know I must be doing the will of God? Why are you looking for me? See, right as a young boy of 12 years old, Jesus knew exactly what the Father wanted him to do. And then throughout his ministry, Jesus began to tell the disciples, I have come from heaven not to do my will, but the will of my Father. And then when Peter was trying to console him, Jesus, don't go to the cross. What did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. You really don't know what is God's will for my life. And Duke tells us that the time came for him to go to Jerusalem. He was steadfast wanting to go to Jerusalem. See, Jesus was very clear as far as God's will is concerned. He knew he came here for his purpose. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. But when the tire hits the road, the moment of truth, just a few hours away from the actual happenings of the incident, he will, be he will be betrayed by his very own friends, disciples. He will be tormented by the very people he came to help. Everything that the prophet Isaiah prophesied are going to take place and become a reality. Jesus fell flat on his face and began to cry, Lord, if this is your will, let your will be done. The physical pain that he had to endure, the scourging, the bruising, uh, the, the bruising, the brutal whipping by the Roman soldiers, everything that Jesus had to go through became clearly in, before him. The emotional stress, the emotional pain, but most importantly, the spiritual pain that he had to endure came right before him. Right from eternity, the beginning of eternity, Jesus, the Son, God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity remained as one. And remember Jesus said in, in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Trinity were there all together. I can do nothing of myself, Jesus said, unless my Father tells me. I and my Father are one. Everything together began to unfold at this point at the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus will feel the most excruciating pain of being not really detached in a sense, the Father will not be able to look at him and he will have to cry and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think I will never be able to understand the kind of agony that Jesus went through the cross. Even today, we can, we can phantom, we can, we can imagine the, kind, the pain that Jesus went through at that point in Calvary so much so, Jesus had to say, my God, my Father, if this is possible, let this cup be removed. But if this is your will, I will do this. And because of what Jesus did, you and I can stand here in His presence and worship Him as Lord and Savior. God cannot look at sin. God is a holy God. His eyes are too pure to look at evil. And in that short span of time, God the Father had to take away His eyes from His Son. Because he carried your sins and my sins on the cross of Calvary. It caused God excruciating pain. You see, it was not only Jesus who suffered on the cross. If you read Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it tells us, 
the Holy Spirit offered Jesus as a sacrifice to the Father. See, the entire Trinity were in excruciating pain at the cross of Calvary. Jesus was physically tormented. The Holy Spirit and even God the Father, every one of the Trinity went through such excruciating pain for your salvation and my salvation. So when it came to the battle of wills at the Garden of Gethsemane, see, the actual war was not won on the, on, the, on the hill in Golgotha. The actual war was won when Jesus said, my God, let your will be done. That's where the battle was really won. And my brothers and sisters, today you and I, maybe some of us are going through challenges in our lives where you're battling, your wills are conflicting. Your will versus the will of somebody else. But more importantly, your will against the will of God the Father. And because Jesus went to the cross, Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to, uh, 9 to 11, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Today, the same thing applies for you and for me. When you and I submit to the will of God the Father, right now you may not see the dividends. Right now you may not see what's happening. But the time will come when you will see the perfect will of God. Yes, you can be successful on your own will. No doubt about it. You can be rich. You can make money. You can be as what the people out there in the world. But don't forget, you have missed the plan of God in your life. And this morning we heard Revelation 3.20. God is knocking at the door of the church of your life and asking you, let my will be done in your life. In the final analysis, you would have lost out of God's purpose for your life and the eternal blessings that it will bring in. God's will may not be to our liking. It may even seem unfair at times. It may even seem ridiculous. But when we obey and do His will, the rewards are out of this world because eternity will pay the blessings for you and me. Now, I want to just outline very quickly three important footprints that Jesus left in the Garden of Gethsemane when He said, not my will be done. And that is found in the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 8. He says, who being in the form of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. The first thing that I see, Jesus submitted himself to the will of God who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his advantage. See, Jesus was in all terms equal with God. He was God himself. Yet he didn't take that to be an advantage when he came to the cross. He gave that, he submitted himself to God's will and to God's plan so that God's will can be carried out. You see, Jesus, when he was on this earth, he said, I can do nothing of my own. I do what my Father tells me to do. 
And in Hebrews, it tells us, Jesus says, Here it is written of me, I come to do your will, O God. Everything that Jesus did in his life was to fulfill God's word. And here at the cross, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus submitted himself to God's word. You obeyed God's word. I love the Father and do exactly what my Father tells me. Jesus knew the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain, and even the spiritual pain that he will go through. Yet, he submitted himself to the will of the Father. He obeyed God's word and did what God wanted him to do. And this is a pattern that God, the Lord Jesus, sets for you and for me. When it comes to the conflict of our wills, God's will must always override and precede as a Christian. And when we do this, you and I will reap the best consequences in our lives. I remember the time when my daughter was found in a state of coma. You know, the first time when I got that, that news, she was only 24 years old. <clears throat> I probably shared with you this testimony. And then as I was rushing to the hospital in my car, I hear the voice of the Lord saying, what if I take your daughter away tonight? Will you still continue to serve me? Now I said, God, you cannot say this to any brother. You can't even say to any father or any mother this kind of a question. And so I pretended I didn't listen and I just drove on. And again the voice of the Lord came, what if I take your daughter away tonight? Will you still continue to serve me? Yeah, I still remember the junction where I stopped. I still remember the place and the tears in my eyes. I said, God, for the first time in my life, I realized what Jesus would have gone through in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was fighting with himself and the will of God and the will of the Father and him. And what Abraham would have gone through when God asked him to sacrifice his son. And I said, God, if this is your will, yes, I know my enemies will be happy. If this is your will, let your will be done. But then I said, I got no strength to explain this to my wife. You will have to explain it to her because I got no strength to talk to her about this. When you come to a conflict between your will and God's will, where do you want to stand? Now I realize, looking back, when I look back at the same incident, I realize that that's the best decision. Because I know God's will outshines any other kind of will that you and I will have in our lives. And God will always give us the best. And I realized that that day the battle was won. And today, my wife and I have no fear of what the Lord will do to us. He will take our lives, take everything from us. We know God's will is always the best. But the point of time of making the decision was not easy. Obeying God was not easy at all. Say, God, what kind of... I mean, even I as a father would not even do this to any one of my loved ones, but God, you're asking this kind of a question. We may not understand God's ways, but when we choose to obey God's ways and God's will, you will find God's word is much more better than our ways. Jesus not only obeyed, obeyed God's word, but he also submitted himself to God's plans. Not my will, but yours. Yes, going through is going to be painful, it's going to be difficult, it's logically in sound. But God, I want to obey your will. Not my plans, but your plans. Not what I desire, but what you desire, Lord, for my life. What you desire for my church. Are you struggling with the choice of your career in your life? Or are you struggling with the relationship that 
God wants you to give up or choice of even going to serve God in a full-time capacity or choosing what God wants to do, wants you to do for your life. If that is your struggle this morning, and if you are a Christian, God's will always is always better than your own choice, than your own life. The second thing that I see, the footprint that Jesus left, was first was submission, and second was subjection. He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and became made in human likeness. The NLT version says he, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Can you imagine? The very King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of the entire universe, taking the form not just of a servant but of a slave. He became a slave for you and for me, so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. Now, you see, this sets a Christian apart from the rest of the world. It's very difficult for a non-believer to humble themselves, to come to a position of a servant or a slave. But when our master himself came to that position, how much more you and I come to that position? You see, when you become a servant, when you become a slave, as Paul will tell us, the servant or the slave has got no more rights of his own, no more rights of his own will or his own desires. I don't live for myself anymore. I live for my master. That's why we read earlier on in Galatians 2.20, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, this is a tall order as far as Paul is concerned. You know, Paul could be a philosopher, a theologian in any university of today. He was so well-educated. But when he chose the road to serve the Lord, to become a servant and a slave of God, he gave away every one of his rights. He gave away his education. He gave away his riches. He gave away everything that he called himself his own. And he knew that he will suffer just as much as the Lord suffered. And every time you look at the cross, he knew the decision that God, the Lord Jesus, made on your behalf and my behalf. And so much so, Paul says, when he looks at his enemies, let them do what they want. Even his enemies were trying to, to, to destroy him, even in his career, his ministry. And yet Paul said, let them do what they want because I serve the true living God. He knows what is best for me in submitting himself to God even when people worked against him. Why? He looked at the cross. He looked at the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus said, this is not my will, but let your will be done, how much more you and I as his servants, as his children, as his people should choose what God wants us to do. And the question that you and I must ask ourselves this morning, am I really the servant of Christ? Do I still hold on to my rights, my position, my ambition, my will versus what Jesus wants me to do? For Jesus, yes, his relationship with his Father is going to be affected for the time being on the cross. The sins of the whole world are going to be upon him. He couldn't even call God his Father anymore. He said, my God, my God. And yet he said, let your will be done, not my will. Submission, subjection, and finally, humiliation. Jesus humbled himself 
and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of a cross. His humiliation made him to be humble himself in suffering and total surrender to God. The Son of God, the very God himself, humbled himself so that you and I now can become his sons and his daughters. You know, one of the biggest hindrances in my life in doing the will of God is my ego, my pride. I get very easily irritated, agitated when people who don't even do 10% of what I'm doing start making comments about what I'm doing. My ego stands up. It comes up so strongly. But look at Jesus. Being God himself took on the position of a servant, a slave, and look at the kind of humility that Jesus had to undergo. Paul Piper said, humility is to feel and to think and to say and act in a way that shows that I am not God. I am not in charge. God is in charge of my life. He decides what I'm supposed to do. And because God is in charge of my life, He calls you and me as His children to humble ourselves before His presence in the same way that Jesus chose to humble Himself. Even to the point of death, it was not start a one-time event, even to die, to give up his life, Jesus went all the way, subjected himself, even to the point of the cross. And because Jesus humbled himself, because Jesus obeyed the word of God and the plan of God, the Bible tells us God lifted him up, honored him beyond anyone and everything else, and gave him a name that is above every other name, that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And brothers and sisters, it's the same thing for you and me. Right now, you may not see the dividends. Right now, you may see the humiliation. You may see the subjection. And you will see it's so difficult. Why should I go with this kind of a thing? But I tell you, when you choose to obey God, when you choose to put God's will in your life, first, Compared to any other thing, the time will come and God will honor you and bless you beyond measure. Let me close with one story. About 10 years, about, about 11 years ago, my wife and I, we were very much involved in the church. As you know, in every church, you will have all kinds of problems. <laughs> any church you go, you will have problems. And at that point in time, there was one family, <clears throat> they got so angry with us. And I, knew, I know very well that my wife and I, we didn't do anything wrong. Hey, we were just serving God. We were doing all our things. I know their mistake. They, 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 they failed, but they wanted to leave the church. You know, as a pastor of the church, you know, you really don't want people to leave the church. So I told, I told my wife, let's go to their house. You know, my, you know, my wife has not done anything wrong, but I told my wife, no, we have to do this. Let's go. So we went to the house, knowing fully well, hey, I'm justified No. I didn't do anything. I got to put my ego down on the floor and crush it myself. We went to the house. We told them, look, we are sorry. If there's anything they have done to hurt you, please forgive us. It took a lot of humility, oh, a lot of pain, really to crush my ego, and especially for my wife, and she knew that hey, we have not done anything wrong. But we remember what Jesus did. Remember that we have no more rights. We are a slave of the Lord and we just did what God wanted us to do. But that family chose to leave the church and they went. But our conscience were clear. 
we did what God wanted us to do. Eleven years later, the wife calls me again. Almost crying over the phone. And says, please forgive us. We did wrong. Eleven years later, because that family went through so many struggles after the event because they refused to humble themselves. And then crying to ask for forgiveness. All that could have been resolved you know, on that point in time when they have humbled themselves and, and, and did what God wants to do. Family in a mess, so many problems, so many difficulties. You bear the consequences of your own decision. But today the Lord will speak to us and tell us that if we are struggling with our wills, it is a hard decision to make. It's not easy. Not easy for anybody, especially if you're in leadership. It's going to be very difficult. And especially when you know you have not done anything wrong. But look at Jesus. What, what wrong did he do? Nothing at all. But yet he submitted himself. He humbled himself. Subjected himself to become a servant. And the humiliation, the humility that he went through. And he said, Lord, not my will. But let your will be done. And at the end, the blessings that God will give to you when you make that decision is beyond your imagination. He will lift you above, beyond your enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Battle of the wills, not my will, but Lord, let your will be done. And if you are in a position that you are struggling with your will versus God's will, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. God's will is far much greater, far much more glorious than what you and I could have achieved in our life. Yes, it's going to be very painful at times. It's going to be difficult doing God's will. We may not see the end from the beginning, but God knows. He sees your end even from the beginning. And His plans are much greater, much more glorious, much more wholesome than you and I can think or imagine. I have no regrets in doing what God wanted me to do. Because God has honored His word. He has kept His word. And this morning, if there's someone I can pray for this morning before I close, you can just lift your hands and I'll just remember you in prayer. Yes, I see your hands. Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else you can pray for? Yes, I see your hands. Yes, brother, I see your hands. Father, this morning I pray for everyone who is standing in this difficult position of making a decision where our wills conflict with your will. Lord, you see their hearts, you see the pain, you see the difficulties and the challenges that you are facing. And I pray, Jesus, today in the Holy Spirit, you will take control of your lives and give them the strength and the courage to stand for your word, <laughs> to do your will. In humility, in subjection, in submission, 
doing what you want us to do. And I pray even for the church, Lord, that we will as a church listen to your voice. Listen to what you want us to do, not what we want in our own ways. There may be many good things that we want to do, but what is the best and the perfect plan that you have for us? Help us to submit that to you, O oh God. And glorify you in our lives and everything that we do. It is for your kingdom, it is for your name. And Lord, when your people do that, you will bless them in measures beyond imagination like never before. Even today, Lord, I want to bless the church in Kota Kinabulu. Bless them, Lord. You see their needs, you see their hearts. And I pray, Lord, you will bless the work there in that place. May it grow and multiply for the glory of God. Nothing is impossible in your sight. And we know, God, you will do a mighty miracle in that place. And people will come to know you are the true living God. So we thank you for all that you have done and all that you are doing. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.